I love the words that came forth tonight all about the heart, all about life flowing from the heart because that's absolutely what we're going to talk about tonight. Oh, so I'm going to just pray (laughs) for all of us. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You came, Lord. You came to bind up the brokenhearted, Lord. You came, Jesus, to make us whole, to make us complete, to make us walk in fullness and walk in newness. You came so we could have... You came to have communion with us. Seamless communion with us every day of our lives. Before we ever get to heaven, you wanted us to start now. And that's why you came, Jesus. So I am praying for all of us that you would just help us allow our hearts to become a little more available to you tonight. A little more, open up a little more access to you tonight. Believe like that song we were just singing. Hey, we can choose you even if we don't understand. We can choose your goodness even if it doesn't make sense. We can do that. So I pray that faith levels would also raise up tonight. To believe you are good. You are good. You are good. Your goodness is beyond, above, absolutely overshadows every circumstance of our life. Yeah. Oh. So I pray, God, right now that every circumstance that's stumbling us right now, you would cause those circumstances to shrink. Oh. Shrink under the shadow. Under the shadow of your wings. How oh, shrink, God. Shrink down to its right size. Right size, which is under our feet. Hey, hey, hey. Because we are seated in heavenly places. We are. So Jesus, just oh, wake us up, spirit and soul tonight. Wake us up to perceive who we really are, like Diane was saying. Who we really are and who you really say we are. Wake us up. Up, stir us up. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, God. You want this more than we do. You want this more than we do. Because you know who we are more than we know. So we are going to talk tonight about wholehearted living and something about what it looks like how we can participate with God to get that more fully. And maybe some of the things that keep us from knowing how to embrace it. And Sarah Yang is going to help me with that because she's got some stories out of her her own life to share with us about some, some, just some massive healing she's been engaging with God of late. So I absolutely believe that learning to live with our whole heart, open, available, yielded to God, has a lot to do with returning to who you were designed to be. 
kind of before the world got a hold of you. Who you were when you were in the womb of God. Because it's still there. Nothing's missing. Nothing's been lost. It's just gotten a little covered up by the junk of the world. That's all. When I was in college, I um, studied, or I had to study. I didn't want to, but one of the requirements was to study humanities, which has involved um, studying some of the ancient Greek scholars like Aristotle and Plato and Aristophanes and, and Homer and those guys. And what I found really strange was the professors would sort of analyze and interpret and explain what they were talking about. But they would do it in such a way they were assuming these guys knew the history, looking back through history, that they knew something about modern history. Like, like how do those, those, I mean, this is two, 3,000 years ago these guys were living. They didn't have communications. They didn't have transportation. They didn't have internet, TV. I mean, they knew nothing. You know, they knew very little other than what was going on in their immediate little vicinity. And they would tie all these connections with this and that, and, and this symbolism means that, and this. And you're going, that doesn't make any sense. See, they were looking at these ancient lives with the skew of their own cultural, maybe political bias. And that is exactly what the world does to us. That's exactly what our family systems do to us. We're born this amazing, beautiful, unique child. We're born into sort of family systems cultural environments that make certain decisions about how we should live, what we should look like, what we should want to do when we grow up, not really recognizing fully who we are according to what God would say. Hey, according to what heaven would say. At least most of our families didn't have that perspective. Very few had that kind of perspective that they would really, I'm sure there are some, that did, that would pray and get God's heart and absolutely, you know, prophesy and, you know, encourage and build up. But I know a lot, I know, because I've done, I prayed with a lot of you. I've done sozos with a lot of you. I know a lot of us did not get that growing up. But how many of you want to know? It's still there. It's still in there. Yeah, there might have been some misunderstandings mirrored back to you about who you really are. But God's still looking at you with what, who he intended you to be. He is still looking at you with those eyes. And that's why when we look upon his face, we are moving from glory to glory to glory to glory into the fullness of who he calls us to be. We don't do it by self-effort, trying hard, knowing lots of stuff, knowing lots of scripture. We do it by opening ourselves up and making ourselves available to him, letting him speak his truth into our hearts with the help of Holy Spirit. So we're all returning to our original design. It's in there. I promise you. We'll get a little more to that when we get towards the end of my talk. But What 
God has planned for you is pretty amazing. And this is what he says about us as he's even forming us and thinking about us. This is just a portion of Psalm 139. It says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. There was a book written about your life. There's a book written about your life in heavenly places. And most of us are probably on page two or three. Yeah? Hey. If you know that you know that you know that there's more, there is. You know it. It's in your heart. You know there is more. Oh, there, I know there's more. But here's the deal. God's not going to read, dictate it to you. And he doesn't want you to go out there and kind of figure it all out for yourself. He wants you to sit with him and read it with him. Because you'll never understand it if you try and figure it out by yourself. And if you sit passively and just kind of do it to me, God, you're not going to get it there. It involves the engagement of connection and relationship because how many know everything about the kingdom is a matter of the heart and a matter about a heart connection because he loves you so very, very much. He loves you. He's jealous for you. He wants to hang out. Just gazing at your heart. Like what Diane was saying, just gazing at your heart and you're kind of going, I do not understand that. Accept it's true. Can you start there? Just accept it is true. His idea of beauty does not quite match what we might think is beauty. But he looks upon your heart and calls it beautiful. What God wants for you is fullness of life. As we all know, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. God's purpose for you is to give life in all its fullness. It's what he wants for you. Each and every one of us, he wants this. And that's, that's from John 10. 10, it goes on to say, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own sheep, which would be us. And they know me just as my father knows me. And I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He wants, he's inviting us into that same heart communion connection he has between the father and the son and the son and the father this loving union they have he wants to invite us into that the affection the unity the connection they have he wants that for us we're invited into that family and what that family says about who we are that's what he wants us as Jesus was in the world so are we so are we we are because we have that same connection same connection with the father that Jesus had we we are absolutely being offered that same connection because of what Jesus did what he came to do how he walked this world like us he said I did this for you all so you can do it too
See, the access you give into your own heart. The access you give God into your heart is reciprocal to the access you're going to get into his heart. The more we open up here, the more of him we get. The fullness of who he is in every way he wants, he so wants to give you. Luke 17, 21 says, the kingdom of heaven is within. The Pharisees were asking Jesus, it's like, hey, hey, dude, you know, you came and you're talking about this kingdom thing. Well, where is it? We're expecting, you know, scepters and crowns and I don't know, armies. He's like, we're, they're, they're, they're thinking things are just going to boom, change like that. And he said, you guys, don't you get it all along? All along, my kingdom is within your heart. It's in your heart I want to indwell with all the richness and the fullness of heavenly, heavenly things. That's where I want to indwell. You are my idea of a temple on earth to indwell. See, the Old Testament got full, you know, they were always looking, fix up the temple, make it perfect, put everything together just right. You are that. You are that. You are the fulfillment of what they were looking for, what God was looking for in the Old Testament. It's like, you are that temple. You are the perfect dwelling place for God. You are. The kingdom of heaven dwells within you. Each and every one of you. He finds a very very happy and fit place to dwell in to be in our struggle so often is we want to make something happen we want to do something with it right we want to perform we want to prove our worth and he's going ha let me in just let me in I'll take care of the rest. Let me in. Are really the active part, really, for the most part, that we do with God is surrender and opening up. And that is a very that is active. That is not passive. Ah, come on, God, just make it happen to me. It's very much an active engagement to give him to open up the heart. Because we want to maintain control, don't we? Huh? I do. I like to control things. I like to know how things are going to go and, you know, what's, how's this going to end up? You know, what am I going to get if I do this? But, uh, again, I think believing he is so good and he definitely is so much better than anything we could figure out for ourselves, and that we can trust that. You know, Jesus... Um, didn't have to try to love his dad. This scripture, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. I think it very often gets misunderstood. People think, I got to try harder. I got to work harder. I got to pray, pray better prayers. I got to read scripture more. I got to fast more. I got to, I worship. I got to worship two hours a day. I got to pray in tongues. I got to those things can help. But I will tell you, people could do those things. Hindu, Hindus do those things. New Agers do those things. 
It's about opening up. Ah, access to him because we can't really love him if we've not first received that love. We love because he first loved us. So we love him with the love with which he, he gave, gives us. We love him with the love with which we have received when we have opened up our heart to believe, yeah, I'm lovable. I'm lovable. Could we say that all together? I'm lovable. I'm lovable. And how about this? And I'm likable. Yeah. It's absolutely true. Well, I want to show you somebody who knows she is likable. Aww, isn't she adorable? You might notice a little family resemblance. This would be my granddaughter, at 18 months. And I will tell you, she knows she's adored. It's like the picture of somebody who's not yet known shame. She just knows that she knows everybody loves me. Everybody adores me. I'm great. I'm wonderful. Yeah? The world is my oyster. And there is a pearl in every one. And you know, some of those pearls are really big and perfect, and some of the pearls are a little small, maybe not quite perfect. But you know, she's at that place where she's like, I love the process. I'm not after product. I'm not after results. I'm not the process, the being, joy. This girl, she just joy, 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 joy. Everything's a game. Everything's play. Everything's fun. I'm telling you, I do not think, hey, God ever wanted uh, any of us to lose that. Hey, what I'm, part of what I'm praying tonight is that gets restored. That gets restored for us. He wants us to be in that place of engaging with him. It's just fun. It's just not every day is fun. Not everything we go through is fun. But the enjoyment of being with him is always there available to us. So the question then is, okay, why? Does this happen to us? Why? The Old Testament talks about this a lot in, uh, I think, uh, when you look at the story with Moses and leading the Israelites out of Egypt. And many times throughout that whole season when they're, they've come out of Egypt, they've crossed the uh, Red Sea, And they're wandering through the desert over and over and over. God is telling them, would you not harden your hearts? Come on. See, they had to harden their hearts in Egypt. They had to. They were slaves. They were trampled on. They were abused. They were neglected. Life was stinking hard. They had to harden their hearts. They had to for self-protection. And you never know when you're going to be shot at or killed or whatever. There's a real, and that, that is true for us when we are young and we're in hard environments. You kind of have to harden your heart. You kind of have to have a bit of a wall or a bit of a sh- something there to protect you in certain environments. Not every family, but there's a lot of families. You kind of, you kind of got to do that. 
God actually gave us that strategy for a reason because we needed it. That's why it's sometimes not good to heal a young child if they're going to go back to the same environment. They kind of need some place to go if things are too scary or hard. They kind of need to be able to, you know, survive. But I think that's what God's kind of referring there. Okay, you know, that was right for then, but that's not right for now. I'm here. I'm taking care of you. I'm protecting you. I'm watching over you. I'm leading you. Don't harden your hearts. Because when you harden your hearts, you can't feel me, you can't see me, you can't hear me. You can't recognize my goodness for you. You're, look, you're depending on Moses to do all the leading, right, and the guiding. Because you can't. your heart is so hard, you don't believe I'm good for you. And it's also, of course, we see in Hebrews 3, the same message. Do not harden your heart. This isn't good for you isn't good for you to have a hardened heart because you will not enter my rest you will not enter the promised land you will not enter into fullness of life wow if you have a hardened heart we do a lot of things to harden our hearts lots of different strategies I could really um Recall feeling so much shame growing up. I just felt like I was always not enough. Like, what do I need to do to be enough? And try this and try that. And little mental games I would imagine to try and make myself be enough. And it never worked. I felt like I turned myself into a chameleon for quite a while. Like, well, I don't know who I am. I didn't have enough sense of self to even know who am I. I don't know. Nothing I am is seeming to work, so I kind of gave up. I kind of gave up altogether. Very depressed for, for a lot of years until I started realizing, you know, I'm so ashamed of myself. I feel so unworthy, so small, so like there's so much self-hatred. Why would God want to come and be with me? Finally had to get to the place of over time and processing, letting go and talking to him about it, letting him shine the light in there. And that was definitely the start and uh, the start of a process which took time. But over time realizing you really do love me, don't you? And it's not about me being perfect, and it's not about me meeting everybody else's expectations. It's about me just being me. That's enough for you, isn't it? It is. We do things like blame and shame ourselves, numb ourselves, punish ourselves. We, use, we, we get fearful. We get scared which makes us some, sometimes lash out in anger or try and control our environment. And we sometimes become perfectionists, work real hard to be perfect, do everything all the time to make everything, make my life good, look good to somebody out there. That's exhausting. And all of those are strategies that we may need or use for a while. There comes a day when we hear God's voice saying, come on, if 
You want to enter your promised land. Let me help you soften your heart and we'll go in together. Because I want you to have that promised land. I want you to have that place of being deep in the river. Hey, feeling life flow. Knowing that he is for you and he is good all the time for you. Not just for somebody out there, but for you, for every single one of us. So why does it take so dang stinking long? I know, exactly. What the heck is that? Why, why, why does it take so long? We all want the magic wand, right? Come on, God, just come on, Jehovah Zappa. We love those. Actually, I've had a couple Jehovah Zappas in my life, literally, where I would say overnight transformation or in a moment like that, two times in my life. But I will promise you this. Yes, those do come. But here's the deal, guys. They last for a season. Okay, one of my seasons lasted about six months. And at that time in my life, I had no idea what what to do next. So I just let it go. And I I didn't know how to go back there. I didn't know how to cultivate that place in my heart to get back to that place. The second time it lasted a couple years, but this time I knew enough about Holy Spirit to keep on processing with him and get my joy back. So I guess I'm trying to say is, yes, there is some of that sometimes, but... um, Most of our time with the Lord is about processing with him because he's all about, I want to be with you. I want to connect with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to talk with you. I want to sit with you. Come be in my lap. Let's laugh together. Let's run together. Let's cry together. That's most of our walk with him, isn't it? It is. And in his wisdom, he knows that's what we need. So the reason it's such a long and winding road, it it kind of requires our will to be engaged. It kind of requires our agreement because he is not a controller. He is not a manipulator. He didn't create us to be little robots that he could program and turn into good little Christians. He created us amazing, complex hearts. Yeah. I love what Paul Young says. And he actually saw, Paul Young saw some miracles when he was with his parents in Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea. He saw, saw people raised from the dead. He saw miracles and amazing things like that. But he would say the most amazing miracle in creation is the resurrection and healing of a human heart. Far more complex, far more involved than just resurrecting a body. That's biology. That requires 100% God because we can't do it. It's very, you know, just however it works, who knows, but it's the human heart because we need to be engaged in that. And he created it that way because he loves us so much. He honors our choice. He honors our decisions. And he understands them. I love that 
piece in that song where it was saying we choose him even when we don't understand. Let me tell you, this for a lot of us is our where we get stuck. We want to understand. We want to get it. We want it to make sense. And we get stuck there. So again, I want to say there is a role for faith. There is a role for just believing. It doesn't mean we pretend. It just means kind of, okay, God, I'm not quite getting this, but help me accept what I know is true. And we just, we work that out with him. Because he loves you. He he honors you so much. The other thing is this, this journey of learning to trust him and let him in, it takes time. When we get married, yeah, there's a honeymoon and you, you love being with each other and it's awesome, but, but newlyweds really don't have an intimate relationship in the same way as what get develops over years and years of being with each other and really getting to know each other. It takes years to really, I mean, Russ and I, I would say, we are still, I mean, I think where we are now is, wow, leap years away from where we started for sure. But we are still growing very much in our, our relationships. Our ability to connect intimately is continuing to grow and develop because we're learning to trust each other more. Yay! And a lot of that is because we've both gotten a lot of healing, <laughs> which we both desperately needed. <laughs> So this, uh, I picked this picture because I have a parrot and not a dog anymore. We used to have a dog. We don't have a dog anymore. We have a parrot. So that is like one of those things you see on dogs where they, they put a collar, one of those flowers on them to keep them from picking themselves. Well, this is a parrot collar. You can keep a parrot from picking it themselves. I guess what I wanted to illustrate was, you know, God, why can't you just make me do it? Why can't you just do something so I stop finding fault and blaming myself and, and, and messing up the process? Why don't you just make it happen? And again, another Paul Young quote. <laughs> and the reason is he wants the truth of your soul to get to the place where it matches the ways of your soul. He wants what you believe to be true, what you value, what you really care about, to match, to be in alignment with how you live your life, how you live your life in public in front of people and how you live your life at home when nobody's watching. That's what it is to be wholehearted. And we're, we're all getting there as we allow the truth, the truth of who we believe we are to, we want, who we are and how the truth, as we understand it, we allow him to minister to us to the point it goes deeper and deeper and deeper into our heart. Because Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted and those brokenhearted pieces don't all understand the truth at the same level. I know this. I know sometimes we shock ourselves with thoughts that go through our heads. Sometimes. There's broken parts. There's hurting parts that don't know the truth quite yet. But he... But we let the truth get in. We let the truth marinate in there. 
and it gets in deeper and deeper. And we get that seamless heart that Shirley was talking about, where we're going to be in agreement internally about the truth because the truth truly sets you free. Part of the process of this is really being very honest about what's going on inside and very honest about how you view the Lord in that place, how willing you are to let him in. I was doing ministry with a woman recently, and she had been through a lot, a lot of very, very difficult things. Um, and even had had struggled with some psychiatric issues. And while we were processing what was going on inside, she could see herself being very, very, very angry, very angry at God, just ranting and railing and so upset with him. Why did you let these things happen? You know, where were you? Why didn't you take care of me? I know none of you have ever been that way with God. I have. I have a few times. Oh, yeah. And I want you to hear this. And if you see pictures, I want you to maybe close your eyes and see this. And she could see the Lord. Father God, Daddy, standing behind her. Rubbing his Fingers through her hair, numbering every hair, numbering, knowing, in touch with every hair on her head, listening to her rant and rave, being with her, didn't upset him a bit. He was very calm, very accepting. He understood. He understood everything about why she was feeling that way. She, he totally got it. And she was so shocked that he was not upset. He wasn't going to yell back at her. He wasn't going to reject her. He wasn't going to walk out of the room. And he's just calmly rubbing his hands through her hair, delighting in her, even while she was ranting and raving, delighting in her. It's just like us with our two-year-old child when they rant, when they have a little temper tantrum. A mature adult, a mature, mature parent doesn't lose it if your two-year-old throws a temper tantrum. Perspective, okay, they're two years old. <laughs> That's okay when you're two years old. That's okay. God is perfect in his love. Continuous in his love. He never separates from us. He never turns away, no matter how bad our behavior. When we have bad behavior, we turn away from him, and we think he turned away from us. But it is the other way around. I will never leave you. Or forsake you, he says. Never. Yeah. Oh. 
I want to read one little um, one little uh, excerpt from someone who shared this shared this on an email list I'm on. He's an actually a healing evangelist. He said, uh, I know some of you are going to be shocked by this, but when I was single, my apartment was not the shining example of spick and span neatness. I was not the model of domestic decorum. There were places in my apartment where I didn't even want to go anymore. When visitors were on the way, I'd just rush rush around roping off, closing doors, and generally establishing no-go zones. If something seemed out of place, I just threw a blanket over it. A pile on the floor, cover it with a blanket. If something was moving on the floor, (laughs) just throw another blanket over it. What's that? Well, it's just a moving blanket. Ignore it. In my life, I also had closed-off sections. I have messes and dark areas. With Jesus, the healing happens when he comes into contact with those no-go areas. This holds the greatest potential for the greatest spiritual breakthroughs of all. I need to unrope my life from the Lord. Let him touch the dark corners, those hidden messes from the past. We're maybe expecting perhaps our biggest problem, we're expecting him to treat us like people have treated us. And he never will. Our Lord Jesus Christ is incapable of shaming us. Completely inconsistent with his nature. In fact, one of the things he took on the cross was all that shame that we think we need to hide and cover up from ourselves and other people. We want to get to the place where we're allowing his voice, his voice, the voice that breaks the cedars, that voice that causes the deer to give birth, that voice to become louder than some of those voices we've internalized from the past. His voice, which is kind and life-giving and good and always truthful. This is the ministry of reconciliation that Jesus invites us into. It's what he came to reconcile us to him. And it is also the ministry he came for for reconciling our heart to ourselves. The returning to faith or harmony after a conflict, after a disconnect, bringing things back together again. You were designed for tender, intimate connections with other people. And this only really works when your heart's open, available, engaged. We reconcile with God and one another. From 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is united with the anointed one, that person is a new creation. Like my little granddaughter, brand new, fresh start. Yeah, amazing potential. See, a life, new life has begun. The old life is gone. All of this is a gift from our creator God who has 
pursued us and brought us into a restored and healthy relationship with him through the anointed. And he has given us the same mission, the ministry of reconciliation to bring others back to him. And this internal reconciliation of our heart, the honest recognition of different viewpoints without shaming yourself. How about we stop shaming ourselves inside? He doesn't. How about we agree to say, oh, I got something to learn there. That's okay. That's a good thing. That's what children do. We learn, we grow, we develop. And a way that we really do inner healing in in this church is we recognize when there's something going on inside, it's always there for a reason. It's always there for a reason. If you're angry, you are angry for a very good reason. If you are shut down, you are shut down for a very good reason. It's not because you're bad and it's not because there's something missing inside of you. You needed that strategy for a while. But if you're ready to take some steps forward, it's time to talk to Jesus about what's going on with this and why am I holding on to this? Why is it so important to me? And what would you give me in exchange? What would it look like if I let you into that place? I cannot tell you how many times we've been in the middle of doing that ministry and people are absolutely shocked. Too good to be true. I would have never expected that. Like my little angry, the angry lady with him running his hands through her hair, loving and adoring her in her rant and raving place. So I am now going to invite Sarah to come forward. Um, and while she's sharing, I'm going to invite those of you who have children over at Children's Church to go get them because I believe Nori would, wanted the children to participate with the ministry that we're going to do towards the end here. Um, I just want to thank Susan for letting me share with all of you. Um, For the last five years, I've been going through a really, really difficult journey. Um, But it's been a journey of becoming wholehearted. So about five years ago, I would say the turning point happened for me when I was going to meet with this really famous, like, minister that I looked up to. He was like a hero to me in the faith. His name was Steve Chua. And um, I listened to his teachings, and I just so connected with them, and I just really, really wanted to get to know him. So I finally was able to email him and set up a meeting with him, and I, I, um, we went to go get Pinkberry. And because I wanted to impress him so much, I started ratting off 
like all my accomplishments. I'm like, yeah, so I've, I've spoken in stadiums. I've traveled all over Asia and ministered, have been featured on like a Taiwanese TV, TV show. And um, I wrote a book and started a church in Berkeley. And he's just listening for an hour. I was talking about myself. And towards the end, he just said, hey, Sarah, I got to get going, but I want to ask you something. And I thought he was going to ask me, like, oh, can you come minister at my next conference or will you join my ministry or something like that. And then he just asked me, does anyone know who you really are? Do you even know who you really are? And I felt like someone came into my cave and turned the light on. And I felt so exposed. And I had no answer to his question, who are you, Sarah? I had absolutely no clue how to answer that question. And then he said, okay, well, I got to get going. And he left. And I was so, I was so shaken up. It took me about 20 minutes to even get into my car and start driving away because I was so, like, it was like my world revolved around my accomplishments and it just, like, crumbled in front of me. And... I couldn't sleep that night, and I was supposed to speak at a church the next day, and I actually ended up calling them the next morning going, I can't speak. I don't even know who I am. Like, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't do this dog and pony show anymore. And I, I called Steve up and said, hey, I know we don't know each other well, but you need to help me. You messed me up yesterday when you asked me, who are you? I said, you got to help me. So he's like, okay, well, why don't you just start coming over to my house? And I'm like, all right. And I was expecting him to, like, you know, like, do some ministry on me. But he's just, like, invited me to have dinner with him and his four kids. And we went swimming in his pool. And we played basketball. And I was like, when are you going to get to the good stuff, you know? When are you going to start ministering to me? And, and, and I, could, I think he could pick up because he's pretty, like, prophetic. He's like, you know, that I was trying to get him to do some, you know, like, mojo on me, like some, some magic wand stuff. And he's like, Sarah, you know, people would define freedom in many different ways. Some people define freedom as inner healing. Some people define he- healing as, uh, or freedom as deliverance. But my definition of freedom is being comfortable in your own skin. And I was like, okay, once again, I have no clue what that's like because my entire life I've never been comfortable in my own skin. And I started praying like every day, God, I want to be comfortable in my own skin. I want to be, I've ne- I have no idea what that looks like. I've always felt like something's wrong with me, that I'm never good enough, that I'm not okay. And so I prayed and prayed and prayed. And about a year later, I went through a really awful betrayal by my fiance at the time and a leader that I trusted. And... Um, within a span of three months due to the circumstances following that betrayal, like I left the ministry, I left the church, I left um, my fiance, I moved from LA back to the Bay Area to my parents' house. And I felt like God did the opposite of what I prayed. Like I want to be comfortable in my own skin. I now have, I feel completely stripped of any sense of identity. And I went from being like a quote unquote like famous minister to working as an anonymous, you know, 33 year old woman working an entry level job at a tech company 
you know, with 70,000 employees. <laughs> and I woke up every morning depressed because up to that point, I saw myself on a scale. And the scale was this, Sarah's performance and people's opinions of Sarah equals Sarah's worth. And when I was, you know, working that tech job, after 10 years of ministry and going from, you know, building this platform for myself to being, quote, in my mind, a nobody, like, I always started off every morning in the negative on my scale. I was at negative 45, and if I worked hard enough and performed well enough and you know, impressed enough people, I would make it to 0% on my scale at the end of the day. And that was my reality for three years. Like just every morning feeling like inadequate, lacking. And I wasn't able to perform well. And and then I just started hearing that rumors are going around that, like, I left the ministry because I, I fell into sin. And so I was like, wow. <laughs> okay. And there's nothing worse than not being okay with you because you can't get away from you. <laughs> and there's nothing worse than feeling this haunting feeling every day that there's something wrong with you and you have no idea what it is. And if you don't know what the problem is, how can you fix it, right? You have to know what the problem is to find a solution. So I was just racking my brain incessantly trying to figure out what is wrong with me and how can I fix it. And I went into deep insomnia, and then that insomnia drove me to come to Blazing Fire, which I never thought I would ever go into a church again, like especially a charismatic church because my history. But here I came, and you know, through my relationships with Russ and Susan and Karina and Diane and Teresa and many others here, I was introduced to a new scale. Instead of the scale being Sarah's performance and, and Sarah's, what people think of Sarah being my worth, all of a sudden the scale was God's love equals Sarah's worth. And the scale, the picture I got was like, Jesus is like an elephant on that scale. And no matter how inadequate or how inconsistent I am, I can't tip the scale to lower my worth ever. <laughs> it's going to forever remain with him lifting me up. I'm sure you've heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people. But I'm here to tell you, healed people heal people. And there's a lot of healed people at this church. And how did they bring healing to me? I'll tell you, simple. Like, I tried to get them, coerce them into doing the magic wand thing with me. Like, I would call them and like, can you like sozo me? Uh, you know, can you heal me? Can you fix me? And, you know, I uh, one thing Russ said to me, 
because I think he picked up on me trying to do that. And he was like, you know, Sarah, we're not here to fix each other. We're here to journey with each other. And I want to tell you, that's exactly what they did with me. When I was in, you know, when I was venting to God, they would just listen. And when I was wrestling with God, like with my questions, like I remember I would spend a really long time talking about all my offenses towards God, and they would just listen. They didn't say anything. They didn't give me no pat Christianese, you know, bumper sticker answers like, oh, God is good, you know. They just listened, and they said, oh, man, that's really awful. Like, they, didn't, they, they empathized with me. They just sat with me in my pig pen, in my pit. And they would just remind me, Sarah, you're loved. And right now, you might be thinking, well, I don't feel that love. And God gave me an analogy on, on why we don't feel his love. His love is like the rain that's just constantly falling down from heaven. But because Satan accuses us day and night, telling us we're not good enough, and, and, and God's not going to like us when he sees us, we built these houses of performance to hide behind, to hide within, so no one can see us, just like I did with Steve Chua. I hid behind my accomplishments my entire life. I hid behind my performance. I didn't want anyone to see me because I felt like if they saw me, they would be disgusted. They would go, oh my gosh. Because that's how circumstances and have told me, like, I'm not enough. And so we try to compensate and we hide. And while we're in there, we think we're safe because no one sees us. And we think that, you know, it's protecting us from God's judgment of me and other people's judgment of me. But the only thing that is protecting me from is feeling and experiencing the love of God. And until I come out of that house and leave that house of performance, I will never feel his love. That love can't penetrate that wall I created because God's given us a will and he honors it. And we say, keep out, he does. We can't feel the touch of his embrace unless our skin's exposed. And God, for the past five years, has been teaching me to let go of my masks and my costumes and my song and dance to to try to impress people. And I'm still in process. Please don't get me wrong like I'm, I'm there by any means. Last night I was just thinking, oh, my God, I don't want to speak tomorrow because I'm not adequate enough. Like, you know, I don't have what it takes. But I'm here to tell you that, especially this past month, I've had a real significant breakthrough about a month ago. I didn't really believe, I was scared to believe that I could really be loved just as I was. And the thing, the tricky thing about being in a house of performance is you can't see the rain through the tainted windows, you know, of that house. You just, you don't see the love of God waiting for you on the other side. But through my relationships with people here, I've, I've 
I've been stepping more and more outside, and I'm actually starting to really feel loved. And it has nothing to do with what I'm doing. I'm genuinely starting to feel comfortable in my own skin. And I feel like I can finally just be. You know, I don't have to do, do, do. But I can just, like, exist. And it's nice. (laughs) I like it. All right. Thank you. I think we can all so relate, Sarah. Thank you for saying it so so well, being comfortable in our own skin, loving ourselves, loving who we are. Did you know God wants you to do that? He does. He wants you to love yourself and accept yourself and be glad you are you and not want to be anybody else. I know I spent years and years and years wishing I could be somebody else, anybody else. Yeah, I did. But he is so glad you are you. Every single one of you. He's so glad you are you. I'm just going to say a couple more things, and we'll, um, we're, we want to do some ministry, but I want to just talk for a minute about the ministry we're going to do. Who you are at the very core of your being is the place the river of life flows through, is the place where the kingdom of heaven is most tangible, is presence, is where your anointing of your life comes through. Your original self, the design God put in your spiritual DNA, the song of your life, who you really are, who you really, really, really are, is an amazing, amazing thing. That part, that portion of who you are, that place where I don't know how much is spirit and how much is soul, perhaps it's both of those together. I I don't think anybody knows, really. Hey, but that part of you is eternal. It is in perfect communion with God because the original part of who you are is the part that most connects with God. It's those times when you're in the deepest worship where you you feel like you're expand. Do you know what I mean? You start expanding and you're in this place of timelessness and there's no worries and no cares. And you're just aware of him and you're aware of him being aware of you. You're getting in touch with your original self. And what would it look like to start being able to live every day of your life in touch with that place? Well, that's what God has in mind for you. It is a place of passion, real passion, a place of you are feel you are empowered because you're so confident being just you, just me. Don't have to do anything. Don't have to prove anything. I get to just be me, period. You're not purpose-driven, and you're not performance or product-driven because being with God is the whole point. Being yourself is the whole point. And on days when great things happen, great. And on days when things aren't so great, oh, well. 
You're still loved. You're still yourself. You're still cherished. You're still valuable. You're still amazing. Because we're getting to the place where we're no longer going to be basing our sense of worth and value on what everybody else out there thinks or how we look compared with others or how we can measure what got done that day. Because the whole plan from God, from God's heart from the very beginning has been let's fall in love with each other and let's let it go deeper for the rest of eternity. I do want to just say one quick thing in passing. It's important to know that passion is not the same thing as enthusiasm. It's not enthusiasm. Getting excited and enthused, you know, yay, go Niners or Raiders or Cowboys maybe. (laughs) That is soulish enthusiasm. It's not bad but how well, how many you want to know? That is so about outcome. It's so about I'm doing great when my team's doing great, and when my team isn't doing great, oh, not so good. That is enthusiasm, and that is not what empowers our life. It is living out of this place where the flow of life is continuous and endless, and the, the source is, is, is without end never stops it never stops that place of living out of your true core yeah i'm enough i'm enough there's space i can move i can live i can breathe i can experiment i can try i can expand into the fullness of who god says i am and nobody's ever seen that yet because you're a one of the kind And you're not supposed to be compared to anybody else. Hey. And this is what it looks like. This is what he has for us. You shall show me the path of my life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. That's what he wants for us. Walking with him. So I am now going to invite those who I um, had asked, hey, because we're going to do some very um, specific ministry, at least in closing tonight. Um, so all those who were, maybe were on the email list, come on up forward. And what we're going to do, and I'm going to, what I'm going to do is we're going to invite, not, don't come up quite yet. We're going to invite you all, whoever wants to come up, and what we're going to do is we have some water, and we're not going to we're not going to dunk you. <laughs> we really felt, and then and and um, Sarah had that picture of the rain too, and I was already feeling like the Lord was saying to just sort of anoint you with the water. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to call forth your original self. We are going to call forth, and we are going to bless the original design God put in you. We're going to welcome you, sort of like a a baptism afresh saying you are wanted, you were needed, you were planned, you are exactly who you're supposed to be. Hey, 
We bless you. We want you. We are glad you're alive. So I am going to invite those with children to come up first. Oh, did the children go back somewhere? Hmm. Oh. So we're going to have those because that, that way they can take off a little or, you know, when they need to take off. Cause I, I want to just go back for a minute here. Um, we're running out of time, so I didn't want to, I just, uh, talked for too long, but while they're, they're coming up here, I just want to say something. When I had an experience once of the Lord and he showed me the core of my being, it looked very much like this, um, this light sphere, the plasma sphere. That's exactly who you look like or very close to who you look like. This place where your spirit and your soul and who you really are in the spirit realm is a place of power and it is a place of passion and it is a place of, of, of very, of, of unique purpose unto you. You're empowered to do what you are called to do. You are by being yourself. It is really that simple. So um, let's go ahead and have the children come forward now, and we are going to just bless you. We are so glad you are who you are. This is going to just be a very short time. It's only going to be, you know, maybe um, 30 seconds or something like that, maybe a minute. But everybody who wants to is going to have a chance. We are so glad. We bless you. We reawaken, God. The child within. The child within. Hey. Hey. To be fulfilled. To walk in fullness. Hey. To be completely free being yourself. And to have fun doing it.